0: If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, we are going to talk this morning about the break they were asking for. Yesterday, my son Ethan and I spent about 18 hours in a truck. One of the joys of doing what I do for a living is that I get to talk with you guys about my driving antics sometimes. And I thought for certain... That if my boy and I set out at four o'clock in the morning planning to drive all day, I'd have a great story of some driving antic for you this morning, and I failed or succeeded, depending on which way you look at that. But sometimes we find ourselves in a situation like that. Despite my day yesterday, I made a goof up over Thanksgiving holidays, and I was. On my way back from Midway, Georgia, coming up I-95, and I got off in Richmond Hill, and I found myself in an area of Richmond Hill that I've never driven. And I've shared with you guys my opinion on Christmas music prior to Thanksgiving. It was Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and it was official. I could listen to Christmas music. So I had the windows rolled down. It was a nice day. I'm driving along not paying a lick of attention to those signs, with the numbers on them that say speed limit, and I got to meet a nice gentleman from Richmond Hill. He really was very nice, and I was 100% in the wrong, so you know what could I do? I didn't even ask for a break. But I remember when I was policing, it was not uncommon for me to, to stop a vehicle and, and deal with a driver who'd made a mistake. They, they had done something wrong and met me, and they would ask for a break. Today what we're talking about again is that that break. We're really talking about the ultimate break. We find ourselves in trouble. We need that break. And because of the situation we're in, if we if we go back to the driving analogy, we have a fine we have to pay or we find ourselves standing in front of a judge, if we can't pay the fine, maybe jail or community service, something along those lines is is what is in store for us. Some sort of sacrifice is required on our parts for the mistake we've made. And if you see a judge, especially the same judge too many times, and they begin to recognize your face, those sacrifices become greater. They're, they come at a greater cost. The goal of these sacrifices, though, is to break the cycle, to break the cycle of mistakes, to foster living a life that's compliant with the norms of society. In many cases, those penalties work, but in others, it takes just a little while. Something else tempting crosses our paths, and we find ourselves in the same situation. Last week, Pastor Mike introduced our, our new series, Unseen. He talked to us about Joseph and the unseen options in Joseph's life. For Joseph, he had really two options. He found out that his fiance was pregnant and he, he could divorce her quietly or he could deal with it, suck it up, and grind out life. The third option came... Evident to Joseph when an angel talked to him and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That third option was to embrace his role as Mary's husband. And we saw the point of the series, we'll put it on the screen for you, that as people in God's story have submitted to God, a previously unseen option becomes available. This week we're going to talk about Mary. Mary lived in a time where people found themselves dealing with God kind of like the the police officer on a traffic stop. People would get caught messing up, they'd make a mistake, and then they'd have to engage the sacrificial system to rectify what they'd done. The people of God were in this loop, though, in which they would fall in some way, they would fail in some way, they would make a mistake, they would sin. In some way, their sin would require sacrifice along with repentance and and heart change, those kinds of things, and they would find themselves blessed again as they engaged God. They lived authentically, they lived obediently, but inevitably the loop would start over and it would go on and on like this, you, they would go through the process and then something else tempting would happen. And they would sin again or, or, or some other opportunity would present itself. They'd fail and they'd find themselves in need of repentance again. They'd find themselves in need of sacrifice again. And the, the loop just kept going It's not dissimilar in our lives where we we try as we may to detach from something that's pulling us down and pulling us away from God. We do as well as we can for an amount of time, and then we find ourselves back in the loop again. And so it goes on and on. Our entire lives go like this. Can you imagine how dramatic... That must have been for people in Mary's day and the sacrifices that they had to make. The back and forth, the back and forth. Something was needed to break the chain. Enter Jesus. Today's big point is that we don't have to remain in the loop. Christ in us can break that cycle. Luke chapter 1, again, is where we're at. Mary has received the news of Jesus' pending birth. She heard this from an angel. The angel's message ended with another announcement as well, an announcement about Elizabeth, her relative, and the pending birth of John the Baptist, Jesus' forerunner. Mary starts this song that we're going to work through today, a song about God. And the first few verses are about her relationship with God. And then she turns to God's character and deals with what God is like. And she talks about God's actions. I'm picking up at verse 46. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary saying Savior identifies her relationship with God and his relationship with her. the, The authenticity that's between them, the intimate acquaintance, the fact that they have relationship is established there, but it also establishes that Mary recognized herself as a sinner just like every other human. She recognized that she was in the sin cycle. She was in the loop. She would live life and ultimately make some mistake. She would fail in some way to be obedient to God, to uphold the the commands of the law they lived under at the time. She would come to God. A sacrifice would be made. And that would, according to the law, absolve her of her sin and then she would go on with her life ultimately like all of us the loop would restart for many of us very quickly she continues for he he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant From now on, all generations will call me blessed. This all generations thing is is important because Mary is now introducing the fact that another option is becoming available. She started that God is her Savior. He still is, always will be. But she's introducing the idea that something is changing about the process that God's followers have to go through. To stay in good status with God. Now she starts to talk about who God is. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. That mighty one, holiness, and mercy are all characteristics of God. Mighty one being God's power, his His ability to create status as creator. Have you ever met someone that's truly powerful? Someone who's, who has authority, yet is humble and approachable? There's just something about those kinds of people, something admirable, something that, that you look up to when you meet someone who really has all of the power, and they're not abusive, They don't use it to just better themselves. Mary's looking at God and saying, you are powerful, you are the creator. And then she says he's holy, that he's not only the creator, but he has a standard. There's a standard of living that's associated with being connected to God because he has a standard. And then Mary says that he has mercy on those who fear him, that God is holy, he's powerful, and... He's compassionate towards his people. He's compassionate towards those who respect and love him. This is those who fear him is is how we see the Old Testament law. It's how we see that that righteousness is gained is you respect God to the point that you try to be obedient. When you fail, you make the sacrifice like it's commanded. But like all humans, again, we fall in this cycle of... hard as we try, we're going to make a mistake and end up back in that same spot. All these attributes are, are again, for followers of God, ways we are supposed to look at God. But again, achieving the mercy came at a cost. There was a sacrifice associated with it. If you were to go check out Leviticus chapters 1 through 7, you would see a lot of the law explained, especially the sacrifices in those seven chapters. But I want to share with you guys a couple of things about the sacrifices of that day. There was a burnt offering. This offering, the, the animal being sacrificed, the person who was making that, that sacrifice, the, the offerer of the animal, would touch the animal on the head. This was a sign of connection between the offerer and the animal. It connected what they were about to go through. There there was a level of of intimacy between this person and this animal. And then the animal was sacrificed on the altar, and none of the meat was eaten by a person. Everything was given to God in that situation. A grain offering was a little different in that it didn't involve an animal. There were flowers and oils and frankincense and those sorts of things brought to the altar and it was it was an expression of gratitude to God and asking him to continue to bless the one offering the items. Then there was a fellowship slash peace offering. This was more festive, kind of kind of almost a party like atmosphere. Uh, it was very much like a burnt offering, but God received his share of the sacrifice, the priests would receive their share, and then whoever was offering, it was kind of like a barbecue almost, different different vibe, but kind of like a barbecue. You could invite friends and family, and y'all got to share a meal together through the sacrifice. And then there was a guilt offering, which is just like the burnt offering, except it also involves public confession of sin, public confession of failure and a payment. As part of the law, there were were payments established for different types of failures. And when a grief offering was made, not only was that payment due, but 20% more was due. This guilt offering was one that it was really supposed to bring stress and a burden to the one offering. The goal, again, was to break the cycle, cause you to reflect and think and and look inward to who you are and change what you've been doing. And, of course, there's the ugliness about the offering. There's a bloody reality associated with, with the sacrifice, an animal crying out—it's probably sensory overload for those who were participating, taking part, burning flesh, and you know, butchering an animal. There was an emotional and spiritual impact attached to this setting. You recognizing that the things this animal is going through is—it's because of me. I—I'm I, responsible. For this situation. And as sobering as that could be, imagine leaving that situation knowing likely tomorrow, if not sooner, I'll need to do this again. I'm going to make a mistake again, I'm going to fail God again and be in the loop. Mary's gone through this stuff explaining who God is, as she talks through these things, if you look at the old languages, the Hebrew and the Greek, she was using present tense language as she went through all this stuff. As she transitions in this next part of the passage onward through this song, she starts using another tense. It's past tense, but it's not past tense like we necessarily use past tense. It's past tense, but there's no time associated with that. That type of language was was typically used in prophecy in somebody saying something's going to happen. The next few passages, Mary's revealing, she's already spoken with the angel. she knows what's happening. And she's revealing things that God's going to do through ultimately this pregnancy, which brings about Christ. Picking up at verse 51, she says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. But he has sent the rich away empty. Mary lists, as she shifted her focus here, several things and talks about all believers. Everything she said there was plural. It's no longer a personal focus and a focus on God. It's a focus on God and all of his followers. And she mixes these positive and negative characteristics of humans. As as we go through the negatives, you see the the difficulty brought on people by their own action and being separated from God for their failures. And you see the people who were obedient and doing their best to follow God being lifted up by God. Keep in mind that a lot of Jesus' ministry where he dealt with the religious leaders of the day, he was dealing with, with leaders who took advantage of the law, took advantage of the system to better themselves and to abuse people who were legitimately trying to follow God. Something was needed to break this cycle. Something had to happen to change the way the system worked. Now Mary's going to tell us how that happens. She says, He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. He's helped His servant The new way has been provided. Again, Mary speaking using past tense helped, but there's no timeline associated with that. She's really talking about the future, what's, what's to come through Jesus, how God's people are going to be taken care of and provided, how the system is going to be changed for them. And if we were to look back, she says, promised our ancestors. She talked about Abraham there. If we were to turn back to Genesis chapter 12, early on in chapter 12, God and Abraham are having a conversation. This is about uh, the, the God building a nation. And God tells Abraham something. He says, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Where God's going with that is, if you look at Abraham's family tree, and you see the the tree extend, you, you end up at David, and you end up at Jesus. Through Abraham, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. Mary's talking about Jesus. Last week, Pastor Mike dealt a little bit with the genealogies that are in the Gospels. If we were to look at the genealogy in Matthew, we would see Matthew verse 1 of chapter 1 says, This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Where Mary is going with this is God has promised this since the time of Abraham, since before and it's coming true now. That genealogy clarifies what Mary's saying about God keeping his promise, being merciful from his, their descendants forever. For followers of Christ, we know that ultimately what Mary went through in her pregnancy led to the birth of Christ, his ministry, and the Passion Week where Jesus became the broken sacrifice and ultimately defeated death and defeated sin. Because of that, righteousness changed. Paul reminded Romans, he said, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. You know, I have, a, I have an affinity for flying things. I hope at least that the analogies that use airplanes are, are, are relatively easy to, to use. Uh, we see them flying. The, if you want my, my instructor pilot training to, to all of you, this is it. If you're in an airplane and you push the stick forward, the trees get bigger. If you pull the stick backwards, the trees get smaller. <clears throat> I use aviation stories because I'm familiar with them. And I, and I like them. I hope you like them too. But I have a friend who was a pilot, and he became a pilot in the Cold War. And his initial flying was in older fighter aircraft in the Air Force. And they were, they were heavy and powerful, and they flew with big instruments that you could feel resistance. If you think about driving, maybe if you've driven a sports car of some sort and you, you're going fast and you turn and you can feel how the steering wheel feels, but then you maybe you've driven a Cadillac or a Lincoln, something that's a little more luxurious and, and you turn and it feels like you're floating a little bit. This is, this is kind of the difference of where I'm going with this analogy. This, this friend of mine flew F-4s, and the faster you went, and the more you pulled on the controls of the aircraft, the more force would be going across the surfaces, and you would feel all of that. The aircraft would feel heavier. The harder you pulled, the aircraft would feel heavier. And then the Air Force came out with the f sixteen. He was part of the initial group of guys that went from the F-4 to the F-16. And the F-16 was the first what they call fly-by-wire aircraft, meaning it was electronically controlled. Instead of big cables, big wires, it was an electronic wire. And when the F-16 was first produced, they didn't have feedback in the controls. So this little electronic thing, you press on it and, and it... How hard are you pressing on it? They didn't really know. They had to wait on the aircraft to respond to know how, they were, how hard they were pressing on it. And frankly, the pilots were killing themselves because they were used to feeling a response and they weren't getting it. So they would turn and they would turn so hard that the blood would rush out of their head and they'd pass out. They'd slump in the seat. Their hand would relax. and As their hand relaxed, the jet would relax. And blood would come back to their head. And often, my friend tells stories about the, the tragedy of literally watching planes dive and level off and dive and level off and dive and level off all the way to the ground. Because this pilot would recognize, he would come to from from having passed out. He would recognize the the dire situation he was in as his aircraft's noses pointed towards the ground, the trees are getting bigger, and he'd reach over, grab the controls, and pull on them and pass back out. And he'd come to seconds later, realizing where he was out, and he'd pull on the controls and he would pass out. He was in a loop that he couldn't control, as hard as he tried, he could not stop the loop all the way to the ground. This was the situation for Mary and people of that day. No matter how hard they tried, no matter how important the sacrifice was, no matter how bad it hurt, They couldn't get out of the loop. They would live doing their best, and they would fail. The nose would be pointed at the ground. They'd recognize it. They'd respond to it. They'd pull as hard as they could, and they'd pass back out. Instead of passing out, this is being blinded by sin and failure in your life. And steadily headed towards the ground. Is this not how our lives are still? It's Christmas time. We're shopping. Shopping online is easy now, Amazon's a thing. We're trying to live obedient lives, and a slip, a fade comes. That website, the kind that we hadn't been on in years, pops up on the computer. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. And we find a drink that we know is beyond our limit. One we haven't had in a long time. We know better, but we do it anyway. And the nose points towards the ground. Nobody's looking and a smile at the office turns into a flirt that goes too far when you're married. We've promised not to belittle our wives or children anymore, to be good husbands and fathers, and then we let a hard day become an excuse. And the nose is pointed at the ground. We'll turn back. Maybe it's because we get caught. Maybe it's because we feel guilty. We'll straighten up. We'll try really hard. We'll pull on the controls. We'll get the nose back up. And eventually we'll pass out. And the nose will go back to the ground. And we'll recognize it again. And we're going to try really hard to fix it. But on our own, it's not going to happen. That's why Jesus had to come. The sacrificial system, it wasn't a fault of God's. It was that we couldn't remain obedient. Righteousness in the law versus Christ in us is what this is about. There was the law with obedience and disobedience, those were the options. And look, this is, here, let me explain, make sure that I'm clear on this. I'm not saying that we, can, we are free to be disobedient because Christ is king. What I'm telling you is this. Christ in us changes the situation. There's another option. He can change us from the inside out. Christ-like character, a real authentic relationship with Christ becomes possible Because the final sacrifice has been made. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the example of those that came before us who, Lord, they really, really earnestly sought after you. They tried to be obedient to you. They tried to live lives that honored you. And Lord, we are so much more grateful for your Son who helps us change from the inside, who challenges us and calls us to be new. Father, I pray others see that in us. I pray we embrace that. And Lord, that ultimately we live lives that honor you. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Hey, Grace Community Church, y'all have a fantastic week. And Merry Christmas.